it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, first intermission in Dallas. Golden Knights leading the Stars 3-0. Ottinger was pulled. Jamie Benn kicked out of the game for a cross-check. So 3-0 Vegas after the first. Blue Jays have scored 20 runs against the race. Including nine in the top of the ninth. Tampa Bay is going to have to get going in the bottom of the ninth. It is Toronto 20, Tampa Bay 1. Uh, Springer has four hits. Bichette has three hits. Guerrero has okay. three hits. Uh, so he got a grand slam. Uh, Belt has, like, everybody has it. I think even Morley and I have a couple of hits in this game. The Blue Jays have used, hang on, Morley, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Blue Jays have used 12 batters. Every guy has a hit. Man. They have 20 runs on 27 hits. It is Toronto That's 20, Tampa Bay 1. With still Tampa Bay, to go, though, right? Tampa Bay is, still has three outs to play with. They have That's to not, score 19 runs. Let's not count the chickens before they're hatched during yeah. this win. It just, it's, yeah, let's not count the Blue Jays before they're hatched. Early in the second quarter, Heat lead the Celtics 33-26. And, of course, Morley, the game you called yesterday, 29-24, loss for the Elks uh, in Calgary. I've been talking about that game in long overtime games because we, we had the one in the NHL a few mm-hmm. days ago and Kelly Rudy was on the show who was in the Easter Epic. Long, does something come to mind for the longest hockey game you ever worked? Uh, yeah, playoff game against uh, San Jose uh, in 2006. And I think it was, was it Sean Horkoff who scored like just a couple of minutes into, I want to say I want to say game three or four in that series. I will double um, check quickly. I, I think it was the third overtime period early. I know he ended up scoring the goal and then he was like, I think he was on his knees sliding. The ice was fresh because it was early in the period. And uh, it ended it ended quickly. So that's that's I think that's the longest one I've ever worked that that uh, comes to mind off the top of my head. Horkoff two twenty four into the third overtime. And was that not the game in which uh, Rolison made a great glove save? Maybe in the second overtime. I mean, um, if San Jose maybe. scores there, it's three nothing in the series, and it's probably over. You know, might be. Um, let me tell you a story about that game. I'm I'm driving to the rink that night, and I can feel a little tickle in my throat. And I'm tired. You know, we've been traveling. It's around two now, right? And I'm driving. I remember driving to the game thinking, I just got to, I think there was a couple days off after after this, before the next game. And I, I'm driving to the ring thinking, I just got to get to this game and then I'll be fine. Just, you know, three hours and then I'm out of there and I'll be fine. I'll get good sleep tomorrow and tonight and get caught up and I'll feel better. Uh, well, as you know, it went to three overtime periods and uh, my throat got progressively worse as the evening went along. And by the end of the evening, I had full 
full-blown pink eye and a bad throat. My eyes were swollen, and uh, I got to the end. I went. I remember going down to the owner's dressing room after, and the doctors uh, gave me some drops to put in my eyes to 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 get them to to get them to start to recover. I went to see my doctor the next day, uh, and he diagnosed the pink eye and said uh, I should go make sure I go shake hands with Joe Thornton before the next game and, <laughs> and make sure I wish him all the best and stuff. But yeah, it, it's funny. You never expect those kind of games, right? In a night where you wanted a short game because you're not feeling very good, it ends up being two games in one, and you know you're you're a little sick at the start of it. By the end of it, you're you're uh, you're swallowing razor blades and and really having a tough time. But uh, it's one of the great memories I have of 2006, which was uh, a great run until it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so Horkoff got the winner in uh, that one as the Oilers won four straight games after falling behind uh, two nothing in the, in the series in, against the Sharks. I think in the Dallas series too, uh, there was. Uh, I don't know if it's double overtime or triple overtime. I think it was it was game four. I think. Oh, the Benoit goal. And no, uh, no, Ryan Smith scored in OT. Uh, if first minute of, I think it was the second OT or maybe the third, second oh, OT. Oh, in '97. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in, that was yeah, first minute of the second overtime, right? Yeah, in '97. Yeah, and I and I remember uh, the orders because they were going. It must have been game four or game five because they were going home after the game, and uh, they were they were making they had a meeting in the intermission, and they came and told Rod and I. They said, okay, if there's no goal before the 10 minute mark, we're going to stay overnight tonight, and if uh, somebody scores before the 10 minute mark, we're still don't going home tonight. And then Ryan Smith scored, I think, in the first minute of play in in that overtime period, and uh, they went home that night. Yeah, well, that, I'm glad you bring that up because it does it, it can change the travel plan now a lot of teams in the playoffs including the Oilers were okay I'll, I'll I'll set it up this way in the regular season most of the time you travel right after the road game yep. right yep. Uh, yeah they want to get there get into the next city you know, sometimes it's back to back so you have in the playoffs a lot of times teams were coming back the next day. Not every time, depending when a game ended, but a lot of depending times. Depending on the back. distance too. I know I know right. for the orders, like when you play in the West, most of the distances are, are of great length unless you're playing, you know, Calgary or Vancouver basically, right? Right. Uh, so that, that's what the orders uh, did uh, switch to, uh, especially later on in 2006 they did that, but in 97 they were traveling right out. And Dallas, that's a long way away. Uh, it was a, That's a long flight home. So yeah, it is, uh, it is now they, they take their time eating, they make sure they get a good sleep and then they'll travel the next day and not practice and just get some rest to make sure do do what they can to get a good night's sleep which uh i guess i guess people think that does a lot of good for you so i don't know yeah we'll never know uh like, i've had i haven't had a good night's sleep well since i started doing the morning show four years ago so that's a, i saw this uh, comic i think it showed up on, on online uh, this guy went to the doctor and he said, Doc, I, I, I'm just always tired. I never get get enough rest. And the doctor said, okay, here's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to go to bed eight hours before you need to get up. And the guy says, no way I could do that. <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> yeah, it's not possible. And then you did, so to transition here, to, to, to build a bridge to what happened yesterday, what was the first game in Winnipeg for the Elks that one year? 2018, I believe it was. And, and was that uh, not a six-hour game total? Yeah, the longest continuous game. Uh, they were the only game that lasted longer was the Fog Bowl, which they stopped and, and played the next, finished up the next day, right? The Great Cup game. Uh, I think that was in the 50s or 60s. I'm not even sure. But yeah, it was the game in Winnipeg. And uh, we had, I think, three lightning delays in that game. And uh, we ended up finishing it up. I think uh, Sean White kicked the game-winning field goal around 145 a.m 
a.m. or something like that that day. It's, it's, uh, so uh, we went a long time. I think we signed on at six and signed off at two that uh, that game. So yeah, that was the that was the longest game ever uh, in the Canadian Football League in one night. So yeah, so I've I've had a few marathons, including yesterday in Calgary, which was kind of a different kind of a weird marathon the way the way it turned out for two different reasons. It got delayed. Okay, first of all, quickly, Fog Bowl was 1962 because we know there's hardcore CFL fans out there mad that we couldn't get the uh, <laughs> year off the top of our heads. So the Fog Bowl was... There's not many things that happened before I was born, but that did. <laughs> right. Uh, December 1st and 2nd was the date of the Fog Bowl. Winnipeg 28, Hamilton 27. Okay, so yesterday, no, the kickoff was only actually delayed by about half an hour. Yeah. So how did, did the smoke... I mean... Half, how much difference did that half hour make with the smoke yesterday? I, I don't know about that half hour, but it was a big difference from the morning until uh, when they kicked off. In the morning, it was bad. I know I, I went down early, and I, on uh, Sunday, it was like a, a, just an absolutely gorgeous day. I mean, it's what they, what do they call them, Chamber of Commerce days in Calgary, because it was just so perfect. It was 27, 28 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. It was sunshine. You couldn't smell smoke at all. Uh, and then the next morning, I got up, and I went up, uh, I got up, it was around 6.30. I left my, in the morning, I left my hotel room to go for a walk. And as soon as I stepped into the hallway at the hotel, I could smell smoke. And I thought, oh, this is not good. And then I got outside and it got, and it was progressively worse. And then uh, it was it was pretty bad through the morning. And then it started to clear up. And they kind of got word uh, through whoever tracks it that because of wind and everything else, it looked like it was going to shift and, and it would be okay late in the afternoon. So they figured they could start the game a little bit later at 2.30 and, and they would be all right. And and for the most part, it was fine. Once I got to the stadium, I think it was, it was pretty nice. I got to the stadium uh, around 11 o'clock, and it was it was pretty nice out at that point. Uh, you get, it was a little foggy, a little hazy, uh, but it was off in the distance. And then by the time kickoff came, it was it was not bad. Then then it got cloudy all of a sudden, and at about 3:30 or 4 o'clock, uh, they they turned the lights on in the stadium, and uh, then it got real dark, and the lightning started, and the rain started, and um, we all started to tap dance up in the uh, up in the broadcast booth. And the rate, like Blake said, it was coming in sideways. He was that. It was bad. unbelievable. Yeah, oh, it was. It it was just just a torrential downpour for about fifteen or twenty minutes. Um, and like we had, we had to shut the window in the in the press box because the wind was blowing the water in and everything. I mean, it was it was coming down hard and it was windy and there's lightning off in the distance. And the worst thing about I, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, Reed, but there's a rule that they have like every time there's a, a lightning strike within a certain uh, parameter of the stadium that automatically kicks it back a half an hour right? right say okay so we still have to wait half an hour now so we're like we're like doing our thing at halftime the elongated halftime and then to be another lightning strike and go okay we're here for another half hour now right and then you'd see another lightning strike and and, and it would you think oh no here we go again so uh it uh, yeah we had a little bit of everything in that in that storm it got real dark uh and i mean like we're known alberta right it's it's bright you don't have to put the lights on for most night games this time of year Right, but they had the lights on about three thirty or four o'clock in the afternoon yesterday because it was getting dark, and then it, it got real dark, and then the lighting and the rain started, and it was uh, it was a torrential downpour. There's no doubt about that. All right, well, you guys survived. You guys sounded great. I listened to pretty much the the, the entire. I think I was even on the show at some point, if I remember. Uh, but the Elks lost twenty nine twenty four. I, I know in the preseason, yeah, you always want to win whenever you take the field. You, you want to win. I think sometimes for observers, you're looking maybe more for some individual guys. Tell me about receiver Maurice French, who had 10 receptions, 10 receptions for 119 yards. 
and a touchdown as well. Yeah, he um, he played very well. He was he was he was getting open, and that's all. You know, the quarterbacks kept seeing him. Uh, he had uh, 12 targets thrown his way, uh, as you mentioned, 119 yards. Um, he's a guy who really seems to have good speed, runs good routes, and, and gets himself open. So uh, he's out of the University of Pittsburgh, where he played with Demar Hamlin at the University of Pittsburgh. Actually, and is is friends with him. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's a guy. I think you know you, you look at the Elks receiving core, Reed, and you think, well, how's that? anybody going to even knock on the door to try and challenge here with all the guys they have but uh, Maurice French I think you have to have another look at him coming up on on Saturday in the game because he was he was just that good you just can't turn your head on a guy who had 10 catches and 119 yards in his first CFL game right uh, first time he's he's had a had a look at, uh, at a CFL field and at a CFL defense and he came out on top had a very strong game and he's he's probably one or two or three of the guys who really impressed in the game yesterday for the Elks and and I think we should know, too, Reed, that Stampeders started everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had all their starters in at the start of the game. Uh, the Elks only had a couple of guys who, uh, you know, going into the training camp, if you saw the list and you think, oh, there's only a couple of guys who are going to be even on the team uh, uh, that are starting in the lineup, and that would probably be uh, Antigua and Rector on, on defense. And uh, and I think on, on offense, I'm just looking at the depth chart now, I don't think anybody on offense really uh, that you would expect to be on the team, you know, you, you, th- you were thinking of big things for Cobb. You're, you know, the O line naturally is the starting O line, which is it, which is usually the case in in the preseason games. But other than that, it was like it was like a lot of guys who were fighting for position, fighting for spots in the depth chart, or fighting for a job. And those guys held up pretty pretty well in the first half against most of Calgary's ones and twos, and, and led at the half, eleven to ten. Could have been more if it wasn't for the the missed field goal on the final play of the first half. So uh, they held their own, and then were able to scramble back and make a game of it very late didn't leave themselves enough time to, to do anything, uh, but they got it close uh, in the fourth quarter. So you got to give that group of players credit for going up against a, a pretty strong-looking uh, Calgary team in their in their you know in their starting lineup. So uh, kudos to the guys who did it. They didn't win. A lot of guys you know a lot of guys I think got stars beside their names on the roster uh, from the coaching staff though. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded uh, like they made some nice plays. And uh, so, okay, Loxley threw a lot. Of, who are the other two quarterbacks again, Morley? Uh, Loxley, uh, along with uh, Jarrett Dagey and uh, Khalil Tate. Okay. Dagey was the guy who really shone. Uh, he was the guy that we all agree was probably the best uh, uh, of the of the of the two raw rookies. Um, uh, Dagey was 11 of 14 for 136 yards through a touchdown pass as well. And, and he's a guy who's had a really good training camp. Coaches were really excited to to see him play in a game, and I think he really earned his playing time in this game. Chris Jones talked to us uh, earlier in the week about how just how how good he is getting guys into the huddle and getting the play delivered and just kind of taking charge of things uh not just his play on the field but just taking charge of things in the huddle and, and doing the right things that a quarterback has to do so uh they're impressed with him and he came out and uh he, he did a good job his brother seth of course was briefly with the saskatchewan rough riders uh, a few years back so he you know he's got that knowledge to tap into and find out about as well so uh, he played well khalil tate didn't get to play as much he was uh, still good though four for five for uh, for 42 yards and in the limited time he got he was able to he was able to show something as well and i think Kai Loxley came came as as expected, 158 yards, 15 of 22, uh, and you know he's a guy who's got a spot in the top three locked up. I think, especially as the as the the short yardage guy and the third string guy between uh, behind Taylor Cornelius and Trey Ford. All right, uh, Winnipeg coming up on set. What's going on with the Elks this week? 
Uh, we're coming back. Uh, we were going to come back uh, next Monday, but they called that pesky election, so uh, I don't think uh, any of the sports departments working that Monday night, right? Oh, I am. We got a full show. Uh, on this one. Do you? Yes. Six to eight, oh. baby. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, good for you. Uh, we we uh, we postponed it because of the election, so we're going to come back June 5th, which will be just before uh, the regular season begins on June 11th. So we'll have a couple of shows, I guess, before the regular season begins on June 11th. Uh, so it'll be 7.30 to 8 on Monday nights moving forward on beginning. Is it June 5th? Is that the Monday? I think it is. Uh, that, uh, yeah, because the 11th is the Sunday, right? These are these Sunday night uh, games yes. the CFL's trying yes. out in the summer? Okay. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, that's the situation there. So uh, until then, We'll, uh, we'll give you all the updates you need for your show, and we will uh, we will keep everybody informed about what's going on at training camp. I don't know if they'll make any cuts or not uh, this week. Uh, maybe one or two, depending on injury situations and stuff. But uh, I think a lot of guys earned at least a, a short look coming up on Saturday. But I, I, if you're going to the game, uh, you can expect to see Eugene Lewis and Stephen Dunbar and Kevin Brown, right. and Taylor Cornelius, and Mitchell, and Dylan J- Mitchell, Jake Serezda, and all those guys yeah. who are going to be the starters this year. You'll get a chance to see them, and it'll be the other way around for. Winnipeg because it's going to be their first preseason game, so they won't. Uh, they probably won't even uh, dress Zach Kalaros, and they'll they'll start like the Elks did on uh, uh, yesterday. They'll start a lot of guys who are you know having good camps and looking for spots on the roster. Okay, awesome, Morley. Well, look forward to having you on a lot through the season, man. Thanks for the update. Uh, great job yesterday with the uh, extended game. <laughs> we'll see you soon, buddy. All right, thanks, Rito. Talk to you later. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry I couldn't help you move, but I was really busy that day. When was it again? Yeah. Well, it was actually Friday was most of the move. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the day I was busy. That's yeah. the day I was busy. I, I yeah, was unpacking and listing to you guys yesterday. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks, anyway. <laughs> that's, that is Morley Scott checking in, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Elks here on 630 Chad. Back in a couple of minutes. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Oh, you heard Bob Stoffer voicing that commercial. He hosts Oilers Now from noon to 2 every weekday here on 6.30 Ched as Vegas goes up 4-0 on Dallas. About 11 and a half minutes left in the second period. Oilers GM Ken Holland on with Bob earlier today talking about working around a tight salary cap. The first order of business is be a playoff team. Play your way into the playoffs and, and then and then when the playoffs start, then you then you, then you got to go do it. And, and uh, um, we're going to Try to hear over the next six weeks to, to make moves to make the to, to, to make the team the best that we can within a salary cap. Obviously, we got challenges, but there's just probably half the teams in the league are in the same position as we are. I don't know, 10, 15 teams are are right up against it and got to make difficult decisions. All right, Ken Holland on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. Lots to follow here for uh, the Oilers. Probably a pretty quiet on their front, though, uh, in the immediate future. Yeah, Petrangelo just scored 4-0 Vegas over Dallas. 11.32 left in the second. 